want now to turn our attention to the Word of God, to Job chapter 1. We've been uh, hearing uh, from Job, from Professor Truman, mainly, last time he didn't preach from Job, but mainly he's been preaching from Job lately, And uh, it's about a righteous man suffers much. Righteous people suffer. Those people who we would call good suffer. So, you know, the good do suffer. The righteous do suffer. Job's all about it. How the righteous suffer in this world. But the first five verses of Job are interesting and they're for us this morning to uh, take to heart and take home. So let's hear from Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. That's it. Hear now God's, God's word, dear people. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the caste. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent in coal for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the day of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. May God bless this portion of his word to our hearts and minds. Again, we ask that it would be blessed to our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, O Father and that thou would be sanctified, uh, well, that thou would be glorified in, uh, in the midst of us who are sanct- being sanctified. And this we ask in your name. Amen. Well, you may be wondering, how does this pertain to people becoming members and children being baptized? Uh, I'll try to explain it as best I can. <laughs> but it does. It does have something to do with it. In fact, it has a lot to do with it. Uh, I begin by pointing up and pointing out that every parent, grandparent, uh, even those who are not necessarily parents yet, but may be someday, those of us who had parents, uh, we all have motives. And especially in child rearing, uh, people have motives. Uh, what's, how should I raise my child? What's the best thing to do for him, for her? And... Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of advice out there. Uh, a lot, much of it is, is not good uh, or mis, misguided at, at best. But uh, what we get from the Word of God is good. And what we need to remember when we talk about something like this, you know, what's your motive? What, 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 how should we be raising our children, our grandchildren? What should we be doing, saying, thinking, and all that stuff? Uh, we uh, we ought to 
uh, consider that it's not just talk. You have to put our speech or talk into action. And that's what Job did. He put his, uh, his beliefs, his talk, if you will, into action. <clears throat> we need help. And we need help from God to guide us in establishing the goals that we should have in rearing our children, our grandchildren, and really helping anyone, giving godly advice to anyone. And we get it from the patriarch Job, and particularly from verses 4 and 5. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so that when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. He rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus did Job uh, continually. Well, what I want to point up is, uh, from this is, first of all, it starts off by saying in verse 1 that Job was uh, a man perfect and upright. Now, what does it mean by perfect and upright? It doesn't mean that he sinless. Job admits that he sins. Later on in the book, we know that he sins. He, he's not saying that he's sinless. What, what the scripture is saying here, by being perfect, that perfect, the word perfect here means straight. It means complete. And the word upright here means moral. So, Job was a completely moral man. He was an upright man. He was straight. What he said, he did. He was a man of his word. He was a man who feared God. In that way, he was perfect and upright. He was holy. He was godly. He was a, not just simply a decent man, he was a good man. And he had these ten children that he cared about greatly. Now notice what verses 4 and 5 said, I just read to you. That, uh, you know, the sons were at the houses, they were feasting. Uh, Each one took his turn and invited the sisters along, and they had their meal on a daily basis, seven days a week. And uh, while they... On those feasts today, Job uh, sent and sanctified them. He rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings for them. Notice verses 4 and 5, what these verses are talking about. They're talking about the home life. They're talking about the home life of the sons and daughters and, uh, and Job. This is what his home life was like. This is what God is commending, was putting forth before all of us, the whole world, ever since Job was, was written or even verbalized. He was saying that Job's home life and the home life of his children was such and such. Now think about it. If someone were to say something about your life, about who you are, about 
how wonderful a person you are. What would they point up and point out? What you do on your job? How you serve the community? What you, uh, your politics are? What's wonderful about you? What should a person say? God is saying what's wonderful, what's perfect and upright about my servant Job is his home life. It's the home that is most important of all. Not your job, not your career, not your education, not so many things that are important. The most important thing, the thing that God himself points out about Job's life, his commendable life, his God-fearing life, his wonderful life, his perfect and upright existence, is his home life. So that's, I, I don't think you should, if you forget everything else, you shouldn't forget that. That's a, that's a major point. And it begins the, uh, the book of Job. And it's, uh, it records how, how wonderful a man, uh, how upright he was because of his home life. Points that out, of all things, because Job was, Job was involved, he was, a, he was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He was the man, the greatest of all men of, his, of, of the East. He was the greatest in that vicinity. And what's it, what God pointed out about him? His job? His career? His successes? No. His home life. <clears throat> now, notice what he says about it. What's pointed out here. That uh, they were feasting, verse 5, and Job sent and sanctified them. Job sent and sanctified them. He sent for his sons and his daughters and sanctified them. He rose up early, offered burnt offerings, going to each one of them. Uh, and he was concerned about his sons and daughters may have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So what Job is most concerned about what made his home life the star, like the north star in the sky, the shiniest thing about his life, his home life, was that he was concerned about the godliness of his sons and daughters. That was what Joe was most concerned about. In his home, every single day, he sanctified his children. He set them apart. He was concerned about their holiness. Above all else, that was Job's main concern. That was, is what caused God to say of him. He is upright. He's a perfect and upright man. The greatest in the East. Because of his home life, and particular to that home life, is the desire he had for the godliness, the holiness of his children. Now, what do we care about? What are we taught to care about in this society and even in the church world today? What is it? 
Think about it. Oh yeah, go to church, have your, ch- your children baptized, uh, become members yourselves, and all that. That's good. That's that's great. That's that's fine. That's a start. But then what do we do? I mean, you know, we've got six days. Professor Gordon's going to talk about that tonight. Six days to labor, right? What are we concerned about? In those six days. Well, we're concerned about our homes, our houses and homes, sure. Concerned to upkeep and we're concerned about uh, if we have young children, we're concerned about uh, giving them proper food, proper diet. We're concerned about their health. We're concerned about, uh, you know, a hundred different things. And as they grow older, we're concerned, of course, with their babies that they crawl first instead of walking, right? Every parent, one year, let's just bounce this kid around us and you know, watch him drop. No, let him crawl first. Crawling is good for the right and left hemispheres. It develops the brain better. That's what I learned in the Achievement of Human Potential in uh, Philadelphia when I was attending seminary. I worked for the Achievement of Human Potential, and that's what they taught us. Anyway. That's beside the point. But, you know, we're concerned about these things, right? We're concerned about our babies. We're concerned about them walking. We're concerned about them talking. We're concerned about their schooling, their education as they grow up. We're concerned about their health. We're concerned about uh, their their education system, what they're going to do as a career, as a follow-up to the career. We're concerned about who this boyfriend is that the girl's bringing home, who this uh, girlfriend is that the boy is bringing home. You know, we're concerned about all that stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Of course, it's natural. Those, these are natural things. Unbelievers are concerned about all that stuff. They're not wrong, necessarily, to be concerned about that. But the number one thing <clears throat> that we are taught here in Job is to be concerned about their holiness. Be concerned about their... <clears throat> Godliness. That's the number one concern announced by God here. And about the home life of his children and Job himself. Come here. I want to sanctify you. I want to rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings. Maybe, just maybe you've sinned. I don't know it. But may, I'm so concerned about your holiness. Maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've cursed God. And so I offer sacrifice in that regard. <clears throat> the fear of God was Job's motivation. He was less concerned. Not totally unconcerned, of course but less concerned about their happiness, about their riches, their health, their job opportunities, their marriage prospects or whatever. He was most concerned about that. Because remember, he did this continue. He did this from the day they were born. And he continued to do it every single day of his life until they, got, they were old and they were, had their own households. Are we concerned about the holiness above all else? Number one, 
the holiness and godliness of our children and our grandchildren? Is that the number one concern or is it something else? I'm telling you it's something else that's vying for number one. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. You'll regret it. And your children and grandchildren will regret it. It's a setup. The world out there and all the advice they're giving and all the excitement they have over New Year's parties and this resolution and that, all that stuff. What you should resolve if you want to resolve anything in your life, if you haven't done so already, the holiness of God in my life and in the lives of my children and my grandchildren. That's the number one thing I want to resolve this year in 22. If you haven't done so already. And even if you had, we knew it. And notice how great his concern was. He, he, he is so concerned of the possibility that his sons and daughters may have sinned. The po- maybe. It says right here, maybe they have sinned. Maybe they have cursed God. He wasn't concerned necessarily about that. He wasn't nosy, you know. No, he wasn't nosy about their, their getting together. They took turns, you know. They had, uh, the one son had all the other sons over and they and they at his house and they each son took his turn each day of the week the seven days of the week and invited the daughters to each house that's the way it worked all the time every day every day of every week of every month of every year job wasn't concerned about that they were feasting is there anything wrong with feasting of course there's nothing wrong with feasting there's nothing wrong with a party. There's nothing wrong with a Thanksgiving dinner or a Christmas meal with family and friends. Nothing wrong with that at all. <clears throat> and so he wasn't nosing about their business or anything like that. He called them in to sanctify them. He called them in to bless them. He called them in for prayer and sacrifice. He was concerned about their holiness. Not the fact that they took turns and invited the daughters and feasted. That's fine. But what is interesting is maybe they sinned. Maybe they've committed a sin. Maybe they cursed God in their hearts. You see, we can do everyday normal activities that are Fine, we can have our Thanksgiving dinners, we can have our Christmas dinners, we can have our New Year's gatherings and all this. We can even have our church gatherings and still sin. It's still possible to sin doing legitimate things outwardly. We could still have sin in our heart. And that was what Job was concerned about. Not the outward activities of his children, which were fine, but the inward, the inward state of mind, the inward being. And that's something I think we all need to consider, dear brothers and sisters and friends. 
our inward state. Not just our outward state. Outwardly, we do a lot of good things. And a lot of things that are fine and dandy, there's nothing wrong with them. God permits them all. But inwardly, we can do good things, nice things, wonderful things, and still be sinning. Still have the wrong motive, the wrong desire, the wrong goal. And so we have to consider that. And so we're concerned here about the possibility, Job is concerned about the possibility of his children having sinned or maybe sinning while doing something that was perfectly permissible. He he, uh, rose up early in the morning, it tells us, and that's uh, indicating that there's this, this... urgency in the patriarch's heart. He gets up early. Martin Luther used to say if he had a real hard day, a real busy day, he'd get up an hour earlier to start praying before he began the day. It's going to be a hard day, it's going to be a busy day, it's going to be a long day, you get up an hour earlier and you pray. Urgency. He had urgency in his heart. He got up early in the morning, and uh, it says that he offered burnt offering. Now, burnt offering is a little different than a sin offering. A sin offering is for an actual sin. He's not offering because he doesn't know. He's saying maybe there's a sin involved here with his children, maybe not. But uh, burnt offering is more for the general state of sinlessness we're all in. In other words, the depravity of the human mind, of the human heart. The depravity, the depraved state that human nature is in. That's what Job was offering up and offering for, a burnt offering. That's what a burnt offering was for. That, that general state of sin from which all other sins, actual sins, come. The sin nature itself. And he offers up a sacrifice. The sacrifice is you know, like a lamb, like a blood sacrifice, which all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, according to Hebrews, all of them pointed to Christ. So he's offering up a sacrifice because he knows that through the sacrifice, there's forgiveness of sin. There's renewal. There is cleanliness. There's clearness. And it's only through the sacrifice that sin is washed away. That sin is forgiven. Now, like I said, the sacrifices of the sin sacrifices and the burnt sacrifices and all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointed to the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice speaks for the... Uh, of God, from God, to us for the forgiveness of all our sins. Any sin, even the sins we don't know we commit, are forgiven by the sacrifice, the one for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Job is anticipating that. You know, Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible, Way before Moses, way before Abraham, probably. 
Don't know for sure. And that was anticipating the Messiah, who was the one once for all sacrifice for sin. On a regular basis, he did this. What should we do? We, we don't have to sacrifice for sin anymore. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. All my sins, all your sins... Every last one of them, past, present, and future. Ones you commit and know about, the ones you don't even realize you've committed. Like Calvin said, the hundred part of the sin that clings to your soul. You don't even know about it. All forgiven. Through Jesus Christ. So what should we do? We don't have to offer up these sin sacrifices anymore. We certainly should rise up early. And pray for our sons and daughters and our grandsons and daughters. We certainly should pray for the children of the church, young people of the church. We should pray for the parents and the grandparents and each other that we that we pray for one another, that we're praying for so and so's son, so and so's daughter. We should bring our sons and daughters, ourselves as well, our sons and daughters, to worship, to Sunday school, teach them catechism, bring it home. In our homes, same thing, set up the family altar, pray with the children, teach them how to pray, teach them the scriptures, teach them the catechisms, the confessions. This is what we should be doing. Why? Because we want to sanctify our sons and daughters just like Job sanctified his sons and daughters. Preparing them. For what? Well, if you read the book, just in the second, third chapter, you find out what happened to his sons and daughters. All of them. They didn't last too long. But he sanctified them. So we should be doing bringing ourselves, our children, our grandchildren to worship as some of you have already done and indicated. All of you have done that haven't. And we should be bringing them to Sunday school and bringing them to catechism and, and setting up a family altar at home and teaching them through prayer. Another thing we should do with our children is when they do something wrong. What do we do with our sons and daughters and grandsons uh, and daughters when they do something wrong? We scold them. We yell at them. We threaten them. Okay, maybe sometimes that's appropriate. But you should also sit down with that child and teach them how to pray and ask forgiveness for sin. That's what you should do above all else. After you have to give them a little whack or you have to 
put them in time out or something like that. You come up there and you sit with them and you pray and say, Now, let's pray to the Lord and ask him to forgive us. And he surely will. Because that's what I have to do for myself. I may have done something wrong and I need to show my children that I've done something wrong by praying and asking the Lord for forgiveness. That's what Job did. That's what Job did to sanctify them. And that's what we should be doing as well to sanctify them. Not just yell at them. Not just scold them. Not just discipline them. Yes. Sure. But to sanctify them. Teach them to pray and ask God to forgive them. Are we doing that? It's, it's not easy. This parenting thing is not easy. It really isn't. We have so much else on our minds and in our lives. It's not easy. <clears throat> Notice this. One other thing before we conclude here. This message, it says in verse uh, 5 here that uh, they were feasting and Job sent and sanctified them. It does not say that he tried to sanctify them. It says that he sanctified them. God heard his prayer for them. God blessed them. There's fruit in this, brothers and sisters. Remember, prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, availeth much. You pray for your children. You desire above all else their holiness, and God will do it. God will bless it. Not all, every head for head all the time, but often. Often. God gives believers to believers. That's the way he saves inward. Outside the church, he brings others from outside into the church. But in the church, he grows the church through giving children to believers. That's the way it worked in Israel. That's the way it worked in the New Testament. It works today the same way. Inward growth comes from children. Outward, you bring others in who are adults normally. They have children and they're sanctified. Remember what Paul said, if only one parent is, is a believer, the children are sanctified. They are not maybe sanctified. They are sanctified. The same here in Job. He didn't try to sanctify. He sanctified them. By praying for them, rising up early, praying for them, and offering burnt offering. He sanctified them. He made, because his concern was for their holiness, and that's what God did. You know, it's really interesting. God uses weak vessels, like parents who make mistakes, who are imperfect, who sin themselves. But he uses, he's pleased to use weak vessels like us. To sanctify and bless his chosen people, his chosen sons and daughters. He doesn't save all of our children necessarily, but he saves many of them. And he doesn't save just only our children, but he saves others as well. But he will sanctify, he will bless through your 
even our weak efforts, our sons and daughters. God usually blesses our efforts and prayers with the holiness of our children. What can warm a heart, a Christian heart more, than to see his son, his daughter, very much committed to the Lord as they grow older? there's, there's There's no greater blessing. So what? He doesn't or she doesn't become a politician or a leader of men and women, a great person in the community, a a Nobel Prize winner, a wonderful scientist that discovers a cure for one or two cancers or something like that. But that child, that son or daughter, grows up to be a believer and love the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, soul, mind, and might. Rather have that than than the whole world. For what does it profit a man if he gain, or his son, or his daughter, gain the whole world and lose the very own soul? What's the profit in that? But it's hard. <laughs> Parenting is hard work. It's difficult spiritual work. It's not easy uh, to rear children in the fear of the Lord. It's uh, difficult to establish a godly home, uh, to put that as your number one goal, a godly home. Uh, and in the consciousness of this difficulty and the willingness to do it, parents take a vow. They take a vow. To do this, to sanctify my child, to bless my child. That's what baptism is doing. You're taking a vow to sanctify your child and make him or her godly. And God will do it. Not without exceptions, of course, but he will do that. It's the way it works. And so, dear people, I want to go, and we'll pray about all this after I bring in...